0: Chris Ferrara, noted Catholic presenter on the topic of the Third Secret of Fatima, as well as a generally public figure who does the work of the church in the public sphere, he has been seen numerous times speaking on the topic of the Third Secret of Fatima at events held by groups like the Fatima Center, the Remnant Magazine's annual conference of of a similar nature, as well as at other Catholic summer conferences. He recently published an article at CFN on the topic of the man that I call the Bishop of the Diocese of the Internet. That bishop has been known for his hot takes on traditional Catholicism, that is, that movement of Catholics who simply want the same faith as it was taught from before the Second Vatican Council back into antiquity. That particular bishop isn't a particular fan of this because, as he has admitted in his own work on the topic, Vatican II was the triumph of the innovators over the more traditional element in the Church. Which was a surprisingly clear thing to say, all things considered, since it hints at the hermeneutic of rupture being true. But regardless, Chris Ferrara had an article published on that bishop who promotes what Ferrara calls a, quote, safely anodyne brand of nouveau orthodoxy devised according to the rule of Goldilocks, end quote. That's a pretty good characterization of it. There's a great flourish of words there, by the way. My hat is off to Mr. Ferrara for it. It is a way of presenting the faith that Ferrara describes in his piece as taupe, or taupe. I'm not even sure how to pronounce that word. It's such so rarely used in the public sphere. Which, if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see on your screen what taupe looks like. It's a grayish-brown color. Ferrara could have called it a boring presentation of the faith. I'd call it a presentation of salt that has lost its savor. But I tend to be less restrained than Mr. Ferrara, most likely. Now let's get into this, because, but into the bigger topic, which is the elephant in the room in the church, and really something that Ferrara was actually almost part of the vanguard of thinking on, which is different but related topic that is timely again. Think Anne Barnhart here. Because while I'm not a big fan of the bishop from the Archdiocese of the Internet at all, And while he has had some hot takes on the work many are engaged in to have the faith as taught to all of our forebears, till just a few short decades ago, it's not the real question at all. Let's get into this. Now, before going further, it's clear that the Bishop of the Internet does care about the state of the Church. His frustration with the number of Catholics who do not profess belief in the real presence of our Lord in the Eucharist is rather obvious, as that it is a foundational core dogma of the faith that at least 70% of those in the Novus Ordo do not profess. That should concern the bishop, since he is a prince of the apostles, and defending and promoting the census fide is the most important thing he is supposed to be doing. But Ferrara clearly has little to patience with the same man who now spends a good deal of his public time taking on the growing traditional Catholic movement, instead of recognizing that the issue of the real presence is part of a larger problem in the church today, that of modernism. Of this, Ferrara says, quote, Rather than working for a restoration of what was upended in the name of the Council as traditionalists are doing in thriving communities, he turns up his nose at the traditionalist constituency while dithering on about his own homebrewed solutions." End quote. Now that's sort of a scathing take, wouldn't you say? But what does he mean by dithering? It's an honest question, because more than two years ago, in response to the writings of who used to be everyone's favorite bishop gone underground, And I say used to be because I sense that many of you in the audience have grown tired of his writings, especially since the summer of 2020 when they took a sharp turn into the weird. Ferrara wrote something more than two years ago based off that bishop's landmark writings that was the cause of many Catholics suddenly realizing that there really was a problem in the church. It was in late 2018 that the famous writings of the archbishop appeared telling the world everything he said he knew about Uncle Ted and Francis and the hierarchy, which had never really been responded to until summer last year, and even then, only indirectly by the Vatican and inadequately for most observers. I covered that here in numerous videos, because the more you looked at it, the stranger it appeared. At that time, in 2018, Ferrara responded to the Archbishop and called for an imperfect council, saying he believed Francis had embraced heresy, and that the cause of that claim should be taken up by the hierarchy of the Church. Given what we now know about the fidelity of the bishops to the various causes and statements of Francis, this seems sort of like a waste of time to me personally, since we know that the same cardinals who would examine the question in an imperfect council are the ones Francis has himself appointed. For those not aware, Francis has personally appointed 57% of the cardinals who would take part in the, in the next conclave. And I'd expect that, by the way, by late 2023. Could be wrong about that, of course. I'm, you know, not an oracle or anything. I just, the signs are there. However, and I've said this numerous times, but Francis does appear to expect a conclave and has done the work to all but ensure that the cardinals choose a pope to his liking to continue his work of building the ape of the church. Those same cardinals that would hold a conclave are the same ones who would hold an imperfect council, if I understand the issue correctly. But what is an imperfect council? Does there exist such an authority in the church today? That's a good question, and at the time, Ferrara laid out the means for doing this. This question got brought up again a few weeks ago by a blogger at the Catholic Monitor, and I've been meaning to do a video on this, but things have just been a little hectic in the church lately. Now, I'll have a link to his piece in today's show notes at return to so you can read his piece for yourself. I'm only going to basically be repeating what he, his, his quotes from Mr. Ferrara's piece, and all this stuff is, you know, a lot of this stuff is actually itself quotes of historic documents that have been, published for many, 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 many decades, if not centuries, so this is all public domain stuff. I'll just quote some of what he says here, but his question in bringing this topic from up two years ago again today is is from his basic question. Given all that we know now, will Ferrara repeat his call for an imperfect counsel? This is the question that is at the core of what Mr. Martinez is asking. Ferrara has been busy with his day job working for the St. Thomas More Society, so it seems unlikely that we would hear from Mr. Ferrara in writing again anytime soon, but suddenly, he was busy with all sorts of writings, none of which appeared to repeat this call. But the proprietor of that blog, the Catholic Monitor, Mr. Fred Martinez, asks the question and quotes a piece Ferrara wrote for the Remnant magazine on this issue extensively, and I will be just repeating that here. In the quotation from Mr. Ferrara, he begins by pointing out that a few papacies historically had been declared null before moving on. Due to the usual reasons, I have to make what he says here sound a little happier and nicer, but here it is. Mostly quote, The Synod of Sutri in 1046 was convoked by Henry III, the German king and soon to be crowned Holy Roman Emperor, a pious and austere Christian and an exponent of the Cluniac spirit of reform. The Synod declared that Benedict IX, who had refused to appear was no longer pope notwithstanding his attempt to his undo to undo his voluntary retirement as for sylvester the synod declared that he be stripped of his sacerdotal rank and shut up in a monastery gregory was also declared no longer to be pope either by the act of the synod itself or by gregory's own voluntary retirement in view of the synod according to historian worrell carroll who stated in the building of christendom it was by his retirement End quote He goes on, and I'll revisit what he said in a moment. For now, it should be noted that these are popes that left the papacy, like Benedict XVI did, according to the formal position of the hierarchy, that is, voluntarily. Again, note that I said according to the formal position of the hierarchy, meaning of the bishops and cardinals of the church. I know that many of you disagree on the Benedict XVI topic, but continuing with what Chris Ferrara wrote after the bishop gone underground released his writings in late 2018, quote, What would be the grounds for such a declaration at such a gathering of prelates? One could readily point to the evidence that a faction that included Bergoglio himself had agreed to be pope before the conclave, and that all those involved, including Bergoglio, were thereby incurred latexenciae, ejection in accordance with canon or Article 81 of John Paul II's Universi Dominici Gregis, which provides, subquote, the cardinal shall further abstain from any form of pact, agreement, promise, or other commitment of any kind which could oblige them to choose a person or persons if this were in fact done even under oath i decree that such a commitment shall be null and void and that no one shall be bound to observe it and i hereby impose the penalty of te sententia ejection from those who violate this prohibition and mostly subquote to quote cajetan on this point citations taken from the linked article by robert sisco examined by an imperfect council is appropriate when one or more popes suffer uncertainty with regard to their choosing, as seems to have arisen in the schism of Urban the VI and others. Then, lest the church be perplexed, those members of the church who are available have the power to figure out which is the true pope, if it can be known. And if it cannot be known, it has the power to provide that those who choose agree on one or another of them. End quote. Here, Ferrara and Martinez both point out that the hierarchy has the authority and duty to examine this question, something many Catholics have said the hierarchy does not have the authority to do, while the pontiff in question still works among us. Even I at one point had that position. Now I'm not so sure. I might have been wrong. An expert on canon law would know more than I would, and wouldn't you know it, Chris Ferrara is in fact one such expert, and he was the one calling for this two and a half years ago. But let's continue. Ferrara at the time said all that at the time with the following disclaimer which i will include here quote i am not saying that such a case has been proven rather what i am saying is that this hypothetical imperfect counsel could determine that it has been proven and act accordingly and that the church would rule any resulting ejection of bergoglio in the same manner it rules on the retirement of benedict the ninth End quote okay but remember something that he has—he said himself earlier, that the case of Benedict IX involved a pope who retired, who wanted to undo his retirement, wanted to come out of retirement and resume being pope, which had been ruled against. Now maybe that's just a mere technical detail, I don't really know, but there is something to consider here. The members of the hierarchy that we are talking about here were elevated by the present presumed holder of the See of Peter, and they have been examined closely by many, many skilled observers. The vast, vast majority of them are cardinals in the image of Francis. There are men like him, who think like him. And that's not a unique thing in history at all. Popes frequently elevated men to the sacred college of cardinals, who thought like them. After all, why would you make someone a cardinal who held what you consider to be erroneous positions on the various questions of your time? It would make sense that a pope would choose the best bishops for the job as they saw fit. That's no different today, even if we fundamentally disagree with Francis on who was getting chosen for those posts. But this entire question of Benedict and Francis has an un- another underlying problem. A couple of weeks ago, I presented the papal encyclical on whether someone who has held views deemed by the church to be heretical can even be pope in the first place, or if they keep, their, if they, or if they keep hold of the See of Peter under that circumstance. According to that document, the answer is no. They are even thought to have at one point held an opinion of that kind publicly. They cannot be pope. And therein lies the central complicating matter, because Benedict, once upon a time, when he was Father Ratzinger, was formally thought to have held such ideas, before the Second Vatican Council. That papal bull is still in effect, and will be in perpetuity by the language of the document itself, and there has been no formal uh, attempt to rescind it anyway, so it still stands. So at least to me, if that document is accurate, then the question is a moot one, but I could be wrong on that. The topic of that papal bull is very, very complicated, and best left to the experts on that topic to discuss. But the question Ferrara asks about why the Bishop of the Diocese of the Internet is dithering is best answered by Ferrara's own piece two years ago. Ultimately, that bishop in question was elevated by Pope Francis, and while he is decent on some topics, like the Eucharist and lay adherence to the Church teaching on the Eucharist, at the end of the day, Ferrara's question is best answered by Mr. Fernet Martinez, who asks rhetorically why Ferrara isn't bringing this question up again. In the aftermath of Fratelli Tutti, the Pac-Man Mama, his recent trip to Babylon, and all those numerous talks with Scalfari, the question is a natural one for the informed observer. So does the call for an imperfect counsel made by one of the most informed laymen on the issue still stand? It's a good question, and many of us are wondering what the answer to that question is. What do you think about this? Well, let me know your thoughts in the comments, please. As you, If you want, you can easily find the, all the pieces I'm citing here linked in the show notes today at returntotradition.org. It's right now up on your screen, so have a look. And as always, I ask that you pray for the church. And also click that like button, subscribe if you haven't, and of course hit that notification bell. It all helps. Thanks for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.